0: Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. Join me as we have a real life discussion on how to change your life by changing your thoughts. Remember, question everything, trust yourself and find your truth. Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. This is the one and only podcast where we discuss solutions to living in a an free and an unfree world. and. I talk about that a lot on the show about living free in an unfree world. And in the title of the show is create what you speak. But I really think that being able to free your mind is the one of the biggest parts of learning how to live free in an unfree world because if you're if you're if your mind isn't free, you're not going to be able to create what you speak, right? You're going to be creating what your your negative beliefs um, lead you to to think or what other people lead you to think. So you're not going to be creating what you speak. So that's what we talk about on the show is, is really learning how to free your mind um, and how to design the life that you want to design. And this week, I'm really excited to bring you Dan Thomas. The, and our title this week is surviving and thriving when shit hits the fan. So Dan has a, a great story about what he went through when things didn't quite go as planned. And Dan is the Wetware IA. He's a direct response copywriter and certified blockchain solution architect, helping people in the blockchain, cryptocurrency and NFT spaces. So Dan, I'm really excited to talk with you this week and welcome to the show.
1: It's great. Thanks for having me on today.
0: Yes. So I read your bio and then as I do usually when I um, introduce people, I like people to tell in their own words, who are you? What, What do you want the listeners to know?
1: the end of the day, really, I am just a tech geek who is obsessed with blockchain decentralized technology and all the things that come with that. And I decided that was what I wanted to be working in. So I had to figure out a way to do that. And that was after 15 years with a telecoms company. Mm -hmm. I just thought, actually, this isn't working for me. I need to make this swap. And... Somehow I ended up doing some very weird things over the last two years.
0: (laughs) I have a similar story, but we won't get into that today. But (laughs) so, so I want to just what you said there about you made a decision. So, did you, did you have any formal training in quote crypto or any of the, any of that space? Or is this something that you went after on your own and, and just learned?
1: Um, it was something I went after on my own. So I'd originally found out about Bitcoin probably 2013 ish because mm-hmm. there used to be this thing called faucets where you could log on and get free Bitcoin out of them.
0: Right. And it was only
1: a, yes, It was only a few pence per Bitcoin at that point. So I never bothered and I ignored it for a few years and then it suddenly hit a lot more money and I started paying attention again. And when I was in my permanent role before I left, I was asked because of my sort of the things I've been doing in the space already that I'd gone off and done on my own. Mm-hmm. They asked me to do some technical consulting on a, Um, proof of concept with a blockchain company that we were going to be potentially working with. So I did that for a year. And at the end of that, I thought, yep, this is definitely what I want to be doing. This is a space I want to be working with. This is the technology I want to be looking at. And I spoke to the managerial team at the time for the company I was at and said, right, we've done that project. It was great. It worked. What's next? And they said, oh, we're not doing anything with the technology. That was it. We're not going to use it again. So I kind of went, oh, that sucks. Um, I guess I'll go and figure out what to do. So I went and became certified as a blockchain solution architect, mm-hmm. which um, I just did through a distance learning course, did the exam. And because I was already working in a system analyst role, so I was dealing with databases and the sort of back end tech of normal billing platforms, things like that already. I, it wasn't too hard to sort of make the swap to that technology. And then I decided that that was where I wanted to be working and quit my job just at the wrong time.
0: <laughs> and there's never a wrong time. I don't think there's ever a wrong time, but I I, I want to just real quick. And then I want to yeah. get into your story and, and talk about quitting the job, but I had a similar experience where um, that actually got me into it. It consulting, um, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's probably been 12 years ago now. Uh I had a personal finance blog. Um, I didn't know anything about websites or anything like that. My I had a more of a banking background and, and that kind of um that that was really what I had done up until that point. And I spent a lot of time teaching myself how to build websites, right? If I change this, this happens, right? And I went through this and I learned the lingo, I learned like how projects work, right? I didn't have any formal training in that. And that's actually what I credit to getting me into IT consulting that I've been doing now for 12 years. And so I think the, I think sometimes we forget that we can go out on our own and learn things, right? And learning those things, you never know where those things are going to take you, right? Like it, it could be anything. As long as you're interested in it, it's worth exploring, I think.
1: Well, that's exactly what I've done in the role that so I say I'd been at somewhere 15 years. For the first decade of that, I'd been in sales. It was a telecoms company. So I was mm-hmm. se- literally selling my mobile phones to the public. And during that time, I built myself a website. I was running a martial arts club, so I built a website for that. And this website job came up within the company. So I went to the head of IT at the time and said, you know, I'd like this job. He said, if you have built a website before, and I went, well, here's this one, and it was shockingly bad. I can't get over, <laughs> I can't over how bad this build was, but they looked at him and, like, well, he's done something. He's eager to learn. So I, I got the role and I did that for three years, which then led on, once they stopped doing the website side of things as a company, into this more technical billing aspect and this database architecture side, which again, it was all learning on the fly. case okay, so of right. here's your desk, here's your computer, here's database access. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Figure it out. right. And that's exactly what I did with the blockchain stuff as well, that I liked the space. I liked what the people were saying about it and how it all worked. So I went away and I started talking to these people, looking at the technology myself. And I had, when I did the project and we did this proof of concept project, I had no formal experience in blockchain. I just was always online. I was on, I use LinkedIn heavily and I was always on there talking about it and talking to people about it and, and learning, right. You were yeah. curious
0: and you wanted to learn. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. And, and nagging the developers I worked with because they were far better devs than I was to, to help me understand this stack yeah. of code and things that have yeah. Bitcoin was built. Mm-hmm.
0: And so then, so let's go back to what you were saying. You quit your job and you said the wrong time, but like I said, I don't think anything's ever a wrong time. It can feel like that. But looking back then it's yeah. like, wow, I never would have gotten here had I not done that. Right. So let's talk about that. You had your, you'd been in uh the, a well-paying IT job, nine to five, 15 years, new house, two preschool kids. Your partner was going back to work part-time and then the chaos hits of 2020, right? And so tell us about that.
1: So I, um, there's another story about what happened on actually left, but basically I handed my notice in one day. I got sick of everything, went, I'm done. Handed my notice in. And I'd worked it out that the day that my notice finished, so the last day I was working them, the next day, there was supposed to be a big blockchain conference over here. I'm on the Isle of Brand, And there was a big blockchain conference here. The first one be great. Loads of visiting speakers, who some of whom I'd spoken to online, were all coming over. And I said, like, this is brilliant. I'm quite newly qualified as a solution architect in the space. And go to this event, do all the schmoozing, talk to these people I've actually spoken to a bit before and get some work out of it and launch. And I got put on gardening leave. And the day after they put me on gardening leave, the Isle of Man went into lockdown. And
0: what's the, gone, and was, gardening leave? What's that? Garden
1: is where, um, because of the nature of your role and your visual, they want you out of the building but still available to work okay. with them if necessary. So, so when they hired my replacement, if they needed me to go in and talk, okay. to them, I was so still technically on, on payroll. Yeah, yeah okay. I was still technically on payroll, but I couldn't. I wasn't really doing going any work.
0: in there. Okay.
1: Um, and for that period as well, they expressly said you can't talk about online about leaving telecom or go and get yourself clients i was like oh that kind of sucks but this conference is happening so it's fine and i say that garden leave happened i thought that's okay i can start building things i can do this and do that and then went into full lockdown over here everything changed and the event was cancelled so i sat there thinking well what do i do now (laughs) and there's few things as scary as the day the last paycheck hits you. Right. And right. you think, right, if I don't start getting people paying me for what I want to do soon, I'm kind of knackered.
0: Um, I mean, it's not funny. It's easy to, yeah. but yeah. I, I've the, been there you, myself. I mean, yeah. I've been laid off. I've been fired. I mean, I know how yeah. it is. It's, it's. It, I i mean, <laughs> what else can you do, right? You can cry, yeah. but that's not going to yeah. get you where you need to go, right? So, well,
1: I, so well, you start panicking as well. Because I, I yeah. thought at the time, I was like, well if this is my big plan and I can't do it now, how I got time to get a new plan in place? Can I actually pivot in the way I need to, to do this? Or should right. I just go and get any job that will take me? Right. And just so I get just some... Do something, pick? right,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: but I knew that if I did that, I'd be in the same position I had been. Right. That I couldn't do what I needed to do at high enough quality while running another job. Yes. Um, so that was a particularly, I'd say the first five weeks were the most stressful weeks i've ever had
0: yeah
1: because um obviously i've got two young kids and one of them say was just um coming up to one and one was three back then and they were both at home my partner was at home and she was then trying to go back to work remotely for three days a week and i was trying to launch a business to able to pay things like the mortgage and for food (laughs) right
0: right right. well and so you're dealing with that right you're dealing with the the job situation and then we're also dealing with what we dealt with in 2020 right with all the the everything going on so there's two major elements right so it's not like this is one thing that i've talked with my like my friends through all of this is like Hmm. it's not like you're just dealing with one thing the job loss you're dealing with all the other elements that come with the lockdown and in the you know everything that comes out so it's touching every area of your life it's like you can't get away with away from it
1: It is. And, yeah, when I was talking to companies as well, a lot of the companies that I had been speaking to were going very much into defensive mode and they were saying, actually, now we're not going to hire new people. We're not going to bring on new partners. We're not looking at building these projects anymore. We're going to put them on hold because at that time we thought it would just be a couple of months. And yeah, I had to find some way to get around that. And I very nearly panicked. I mean, there was a couple of jobs I was um, talking to people about at the time I thought like, well, I could just go for that, and it'd be nice and safe and boring, right. and I'd be sat at a desk again, and,
0: and I'd be unhappy and... in six months. I'm yeah. mad at myself that I did it, and, exactly. and that's kind of the easy route, right? That's the that's that fitting into the system, yeah. right? It's the the what you're we're all brought up to do, right? Fit into the system, and if you're going to go mm-hmm. outside of it, then there's so much risk that you just possibly you can't possibly even accept the risk. So just go ahead and take the safe job, right? And, yeah, and that's generally what we're programmed to do. And
1: everyone you talk to who when you're in that sort of job is also in that sort of job and is in the same situation. So they all think the same way. They're all saying, right. well, just you need another job. You need to be working for someone right. and get regular income and get right. your pension all this other stuff. And I was saying, well, no, I want to be off building this incredibly risky technology, which right. two years ago was still recovering from a huge financial crash. Right. That no one really believes in at the minute. <laughs>
0: So you're already considered wacko for that then too, right? And yeah, you want to like go make a career around that.
1: <laughs> is, I mean, there's things that I had back then because I was involved in the space. Like I bought some NFTs, which yeah. what we can talk about. Yeah. And people were like, why are you wasting money on those? And now they're messaging me saying, have you sold any of those yet? I'm like, <laughs> don't talk about them now. As far as you're concerned, I don't have any.
0: <laughs> right. We're not going there. So yeah. what happened? So, you, so the first five weeks and you were, you know, obviously it was a... a Shocking and jarring. So, how did you get through this? And here you are now. I mean, you're, you're, you've got a business. You've got, it's thriving. You're not, you didn't die, right? We're sitting here having this conversation. Right. Right. And so, how did, how did you, how did you get through it? I guess mentally is probably, I think we do it that the worst, you know, make that the hardest on ourselves, the mental part.
1: Yeah. I basically, uh, the only thing I could do was ignore the problems and think, what can I actually do to solve the problems on this? Um, and one of the ideas I'd had for my brand back then, because uh, someone I'd worked with had said that I was I was the guy to go to if they wanted problem solving. And I thought, this is just another problem I need to solve. Right. And I can't solve it by going, oh, no, it's a disaster. I had to focus on how to do it. So I said, well, obviously, Isle of Man's in lockdown. How can I make them to a benefit? I said, well, actually, know, the Isle of Man's quite small. We've only got a population of 90-ish thousand people anyway.
0: Okay, and this is in Europe?
1: Uh, Yeah, we're a small island between England and Ireland. Okay. So I was like, well, actually, if I say I'm not going to do anything here, I'm going to do it all remotely. Well, that now opens me up to pretty much anywhere in the world.
0: The world, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And so I'd already had a reasonably established LinkedIn profile, so I went on there, cleaned it all up, Um, and I started with a model line of how I was going to get people to come to me for work to want me to work for them. And I've sort of refined that over the last 18 months or so. But it just started working. I I hammered away at it. I was up till 2, 3 a.m. every morning for the first yes. five, six weeks. <laughs> um, I'd then up at half six with the kids, if not a few times in between as well. Just talking to people, getting my name out there. Um there's a few things I did as well. I pivoted the brand model I had. So originally it was all about the blockchain solution architecture. That was my main right. focus. Right. And doing that technical aspect. But I've done copywriting in the past before I moved into it. And I thought, you know, I'd like to do something with that. So I scrapped all that branding, spent a couple of days, and ended up with the Wetware IA as the brand. Flattened everything I had, rebranded all that, um, and started getting clients. And I think I had a client within the first couple of weeks, just a small copywriting job for them. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting more people wanting specialists in the space to do their copywriting. And as well, I was starting to get people, because particularly back then, there wasn't many specialists in blockchain, crypto right. and things. Right. I was starting to get more interest in, well, actually you're a tech guy as well, so could you do some tech stuff for us? And right. things started coming from that.
0: Um, and for those that aren't familiar, what is copywriting?
1: Um, so um, it's things like writing articles writing blogs in my case it's writing more technical articles so longer form ones about the technical aspects of blockchain and nfts and things but also i do direct response copywriting which is things like long-form sales pages so if you go to websites and you see a sales page that sort of thing or social media adverts Anything that gets you to click on something or do an action, basically.
0: And and I think also, like, explains what it is, right? Because, like, Mm -hmm. I know in the past I've created things and I'm, you know, but I'm in it, right? It's Mm – I can only see it from the perspective of the creator. Having somebody come in like you that's on the outside that I can tell you about it and then you're using your – another outside perspective to explain something to somebody who isn't as far in it as somebody like me who might have created it. And there's – yeah, there's that um, skill set is also very, um, it's very, it, it's, a, it's a great thing to have, right? When you have somebody who can do that, especially as a creator, it's, um, you know, it's, it's invaluable because that's how you get your message out there. That's how, and that can make or break you too, right? If you don't yeah. have a good message.
1: Oh yeah. I've seen a lot of companies do it in the blockchain space and particularly because it's not as much now, particularly back then, they were all very much in startup mode so it's three or four very smart people often developers who had had a brilliant idea
0: yeah. and
1: had written some code and it was incredible and it could do crazy things but i don't know if, well obviously you're united but so you must talk yes. to developers quite a lot yeah
0: they oh yeah i'm the person that norm- goes yeah yeah i go between the it and the business generally yeah.
1: yeah it's yeah. exact. that's exactly the role i feel in this that someone has to translate what developers yes. speak into yes. something normal humans can understand
0: yes exactly
1: And with these blockchain products, a lot of them were failing because they didn't have that aspect. And they were going out and they were pushing marketing that was all about how great the technology was. So all the competitors looking at it and going, oh, that's brilliant. We'll just nick a bit. Right. Customers weren't coming and going, Okay, now I need to know more about the product.
0: Or I want this, right? Because they don't know customers don't care about the technology side, most for the it's, most part, right? The general customer. So yeah. if you're pushing the technology on people who don't care, you're missing the mark. And this is again, copywriter's job is to go in there and be that intermediary. To it almost, it's almost like speaking on behalf of your your customer, even if you don't have the customer, yeah. but it's your ideal customer kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, well, oh, go ahead.
1: So the hardest thing I found with that actually is when I've written something, I'm saying to uh, developers, right this is what I've written. And they go, but you don't mention the code. You don't mention these things. I'm like, yeah, no, so it doesn't share. matter. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. <laughs> right.
0: like, and they're oh, so proud of care? it. Right. Like, yeah. and, and as they should be. Right. But as yeah. the there's, you know, there's that disconnect, you know, I always mm. like, especially if developers are trying to write like, requirements let's say and not to get too technical into this stuff but a developer is not that's not the that's not the mindset right their mindset is to solve the problem whereas the person who's on the outside their mindset is more of the um you know i I don't really care how you did it i'm just trying to make sure that whatever you did is getting to here or there or wherever it needs to go
1: and having my dev background as well although i i do talk about i'm i'm by no means a good dev well i'm i'm an an okay dev but i'm not I would never say to a company, you want to hire me to dev your product because that'd be awful. <laughs> but how, when I was working with dev teams, I always found that normal marketing teams would come in and say, oh, we want this shade of blue or this color or this font. Yeah. And the dev teams go, oh, we don't care. Right. You know, We right. just want this particular function in it. Right. And there was always that disconnect. So having, so dev teams tend to quite like dealing with me because I'll go and I'll use their language to talk to them. Yes. And find out what it does. And then I can then translate that into something that, Joe Public goes, actually, that's that's a benefit to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They don't really understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we probably should have done this a few minutes ago, but we mentioned (laughs) NFTs and um, in your involvement in those. So, can you explain what NFTs are and what um, really, because I think also, again, this is one of those things there where people can read and they can, okay, but what is it? Like, what does it actually do? Why do I want this? You
1: know, when you start looking at NFT stuff, there's lots of what it technically works and the processes behind it. And all they are really is there's two types of items in the world. There's fungible items, which can be interchanged for another one, the same value, and they're pretty much undistinguishable, indistinguishable. So if you think of currency, you might think of coins, uh, really a fungible token. Mm-hmm. If I give you a pound or a dollar, no one care. You don't care if I don't care if you give me the same one back or a different one.
0: Right, right.
1: Non-fungible tokens are something which have a completely unique aspect to them. So in the case of cryptocurrency non-fungible tokens, you can track that individual item. So even if you've printed a hundred thousand of these tokens, every single one can be tracked and can be traced. And you can say who owned it, what they did with it. If it's in a game, a particular token might be used for certain things. And they are completely unique. So they all have, they can all be priced individually where most people go wrong with this is they think it's about the price you ascribe to a token that makes it fungible or non-fungible. And it's not, it's whether it can be unique. So technically um, a 10 pound note is a non-fungible token because it has a serial number. It's got a unique serial number. Right,
0: right.
1: We just don't treat it that way. Right.
0: Nobody pays it. Nobody cares, right? About yeah. the serial number on a note.
1: Exactly. But If, say, you knew a serial number was owned by a particular celebrity, nothing's actually changed about the item, but we can treat it like a non-fungible token. Now, the interesting with this is in terms of cryptocurrency, and we're starting to see this filter through now in the way some companies work, is that Bitcoin is really a non-fungible token, Mm -hmm. that you can trace any Bitcoin back to its point of origin. And what we see now are companies that will whitelist or blacklist you based on... Where you've got your tokens from, which tokens you've got. And, and- <laughs> it starts getting a bit complicated that way. But-
0: <laughs> right. Cause then we go to another level of censor- yeah. censorship, which was supposed exactly. to be the epitome of why it was even developed. Yeah. And so when you talk about tracing, can you explain how that can be traced? And especially in the, in the, um, you know, we think about Bitcoin because that was. St- some in some ways it was presented as you know Hmm. it's you know it's anonymous right you can't be traced and you can't be tracked because then i think that also causes some confusion because then Hmm. then it's like everything is lumped together well if you can trace and track with bitcoin then that must be the same for all the other for everything else in crypto so crypto is a scam you you know that that's that's kind of the thought process that i've heard people make the argument to me
1: it is um so with, if you look at Bitcoin, for example, and I'll, I'll try not to go too deep into the tech side of it because it's, firstly, no one cares apart from people like me. <laughs> but in <laughs> essence, you <laughs> can, <laughs> you <know what? laughs> one of the points of Bitcoin, as you say, is this idea that it's fully traceable, that you can track back to any point and you can say, yep, you know that this coin is, this Bitcoin is genuine because it was minted on this date by this person and you can track who it's gone through. Now, within Bitcoin itself, there is no censorship. So if you just have a Bitcoin wallet, you can send Bitcoin to anyone else anywhere in the world. No one can stop you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It doesn't mean you're free from consequences because if you're a criminal, it's still very, it's actually really easy to trace that back. But that's where we start to get censorship creep in that companies are building additional layers on top of these that say, right, if you want to go buy a car with your Bitcoin, we've got a payment processor that lets you do it. But if you use that payment processor and your Bitcoin within however many hops has come from a different wallet or a particular blacklisted wallet, we won't accept it. Mm. So the, the actual Bitcoin itself is completely censorship resistant, but when you start to add more products to it, you can start to get that censorship in there by using that traceability of it.
0: And the companies that you're using that are putting these in place. Yeah. Right. Because that's the other part of this, like with everything with the blockchain and it's there, there's the human element, you know, when you think about the general ledger right of any company right where any computer system whatever we've seen time and time again people go in and they have a separate set of books or they're changing the numbers you know all this kind of yeah. stuff and you see these people getting arrested and all this the blockchain is different that's not how this works right it's it's computers <laughs> banding together to agree or disagree with the transaction
1: and yeah, then it's this consensus model that means right. everyone is fighting to prove that someone else is lying
0: Right. And, and, and then, right, And then you add, again, you start to add these other layers on top where then they start to, you're taking away the original intent. And I think that's where sometimes it gets to be, it's, it's such a different revolutionary concept that then it becomes very easy to be like, I mean, especially if, you you know, if maybe you don't understand it or you're, and sometimes there's just bad information out there too, right? There's just information that just isn't correct. And then it all of a sudden becomes, well, then it's a scam. Well, no, let's, let's trace this back, right? Let's look, take these pieces apart so you can see which element is causing the, the, the disruption that wasn't the original intent.
1: Yeah, it's, that's the problem. People start using it in a way it was never designed to be used for. Right. And then they say, well, it doesn't do this. So it must be a scam or it's failed. It doesn't work in that. Well, no, you wouldn't use a hammer to make a jam sandwich. Right. And go and oh, call it a
0: scam, and the yeah. hammers don't work for everything. For any, yeah, this is you know? this is
1: rubbish now. This is a rubbish right. hammer. No, it's not, it's just a hammer, right? And the same with Bitcoin, it's designed for certain things, and the code is there for everyone to see. You can easily right. check what it does and how it works, right? But if you try and force it, shoehorn it into something else, then it isn't going to work very well,
0: right? And so. Back on the NFTs then. So yeah. understanding what they are and in your experience. And I'm sure, you know, we're seeing all kinds of things with NFTs, right? These crazy prices where people are becoming, you know, millionaires overnight. And I'm sure, and, and I know some of the projects you're working on, you, you can't talk about for NDA reasons, but, um, just like in general, you know, general experience, like how are you seeing that space? Like with the, the, the popularity and the, it just these explosion in, in pricing. I mean, e- even with that, is that normal? Is this like a fad? Like, cause I hear that too.
1: Yeah. The, there's a lot of people who think it's a bubble and they're possibly right, but it's going to get a lot bigger.
0: Like what you hear so far, take what you've learned and invest in yourself with the create what you speak Academy. Visit CreateWhatYouSpeak.com to learn more. Now back to the show.
1: There's a, there's a concept called price anchoring we talk about in copywriting,
0: uh-huh.
1: where if I'm going to say, offer you a service, I say, well, you get this for free, which is normally £1,500. This is free, yeah. which is two and a half grand. You stack all these things, you get a big number. Now, that's kind of what's happening with it at the minute with NFTs, but it's not price anchoring on the product. It's price anchoring on the payment mechanism. Now, because all these things are bought in cryptocurrency and particularly mm-hmm. Ethereum.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I got into Ethereum when it was seventy dollars. Wow! I, I think, it, I think actually, when I first tried to get into it, it was twenty-five, and by the end of the day, it had hit seventy. Oh. <laughs> You're now, and now
0: you look at the price now, and it's like, well, yeah, that I trying to was register,
1: nothing. yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, there's that thing where people think, well, sure, it's known to an Ethereum, which might be three hundred or four hundred thousand dollars in real-world terms, but I only paid ten dollars for those, so I'm not really spending that much. And as well, yeah. a lot of these crypto guys have become very rich very quickly from the price increase. But they have tax problems that, not necessarily problems, but they don't want to cash it all out. Because if you won the lottery, you go and you buy a car or you buy a house. You can't necessarily do that with crypto because if you cash out half a million in Ethereum, your bank's going to have a fit and probably shut your right. account down. Right. The tax service for your whatever area you're in, is probably going to go mental as well. Yeah. And whatever you try and buy... They're going to want to know the source of funds. Um, I remember a guy over here who tried to buy Bitcoin, buy a house with Bitcoin, two or three years ago. And he said it took him 18 months for the bank to do that. They had to get specialists in to look through the transactional ledger to prove that this wasn't illegal money.
0: Oh my God. So and probably so didn't guys, even know, you know, like
1: yeah.
0: what it even was, you know?
1: And so all these guys, people are sat there with huge amounts of paper money, which you know, and they look in their wallets and they go, "Great, I'm super rich," but they can't do anything with it easily. Right. Right. So what they do then is they say, "Well, what can I buy with it?" And NFTs, all the marketplaces, OpenSea is the biggest one, I think. Yeah. They all take payment in crypto, and that's part. Of, so they go, "Well, you know what? I'll just go and spend some of my crypto on that because it didn't cost me much anyway. I can't do anything right. with it. Right. <laughs> it's just yeah. reverse price anchoring effect happening."
0: And, and, you know, it's it's kind of like, I don't know if you remember back when like debit cards came out, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I remember my parents owned a business and it was, I, re- I remember taking the first debit card payment at my yeah. parents' business. And my mom was like, no, 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 we can't do that. You know, we can't do that. Why? And I'm like, but it's the same thing. Like you're just, you don't <laughs> using Chase or um, whoever as your bank, you're, the bank is the bank, right? And then when we started, you know, when that, especially with credit cards and people were using, you know, you're spending credit. You don't, you're not even paying attention, right? You're just spending the yeah. card. You don't even know. And so with yeah. this, it's kind of the same. It's like, you don't even really have it. So it, it's not as, it's not like you, um, you're as emotionally tied to it, I guess, yeah. as, you know,
1: exactly. Yeah. there's no, you know, if some, if you if someone hands you half a million quid in cash, that's something physical and tangible. Right. Whereas right. the crypto it's, it's even separated from digital, normal money, digital fiat. And with the NFTs as well, there's a lot of, i suppose brand kudos around it that i don't see on link even on linkedin now a lot of people are changing their profile pictures i've done it on mine to an nft you own and so all these guys who have bought crypto punks and the um with the the board a- ape yacht club is the other right. one of the other big ones they're all changing their profile pictures to the ape they own <laughs> and it's that thing of it's like a team recognition thing that you can look yeah. at someone and go, oh i know that i get yeah. that I, you yeah, are in the inclusive. same club yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: and you all start part of this family then that you can chat to each other about it whereas being just rich in ethereum isn't quite as interesting for social media because you don't right. want to post start posting and go oh I, you know i'm a millionaire <laughs> now but if you post your balance
0: every day on all your wallets yeah. right I
1: Look, know he's a quick screenshot that. of my account
0: right right <laughs> then everybody would just point and yeah. say, it's a scam. you know what I mean? Yeah. The, but yeah, it's a way like people find their tribe, right? You find your, <laughs> that's, that's, like, cause this is yeah. still in that, you know, early stage where it's more mainstream, but it's not mainstream, right? There's still yeah. in, it, I guess it depends on where you are in your, your environment maybe too. If you have, if you're in a area or a group, you have a, you already have an established group, but it, it does kind of feel like, um, you know, it, 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 it's just different, right? We're not going in like, um, you know, on AOL Messenger in 1996, and finding our our ICQ or whatever those yeah. messaging platforms were back then, right? We're 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 these are different ways. It's just a completely different way to meet people and find people. And uh, again, like I said, find your tribe. And um, yeah. it, it's it's really interesting. It's just really interesting to me how this all, um, plays out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone suspected it would increase as much as it has done over the last few months, particularly. Um. But I think it all ties together when you look at the entire crypto marketplace. We like to say, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum are separate things. But at the minute, they're still all viewed as one big right. heap of cryptocurrencies. Right. So when one goes up, it draws more people in, the prices go up. People have been holding it for a while. They suddenly find themselves rich. And yeah, they want to show it off, but they don't know how. So it's like buying, you know, a Versace or a Gucci handbag and carrying it around to the shops. You change your profile picture to an ape, and everyone goes, ah. Oh. We know you're rich. We don't right. overtly say it, but right. we, we recognize that.
0: Right. And then the club members find each other. So then they yeah. all, yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> you had a hand in creating a movie called The Fake Fluencer, which is a, uh, yeah. about an online crypto scam. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like where the idea came from and how you got involved?
1: Um, so the director of the movie, it was probably just over a year ago now. And the director got in touch with me through LinkedIn Again, I was on there talking about crypto things. And he said, look, I'm doing this project. I think we're going to do a movie. Here's sort of an outline of what's happening. And it's around um this guy called Tom Gillespie. And he's making a documentary about this project called ScooterCoin. And Bitman360, who's a scam artist, who's created this project and stole um some money off on Tom's relatives. And they just got in, Rich got in touch with me and said, look, we're doing this. Would you know? Would like to have a chat with us about it. And it was very different to how projects normally work. Rich was very clear. This is Rich Teller, so he's he's a director from Bitcoin Students. He he was clear that he wanted to be a very inclusive model. It's not here's my vision. Now you go and do this bit. It was how can we all right. do it. Yeah. And I got to meet some incredible people working on that. There's um a guy who's a developer. We start who's a part of the project. Who I now talk to quite regularly. There's a guy who builds VR worlds because part of the film is filmed actually in VR.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, VR is virtual reality. Uh, virtual reality. Sorry, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we filmed, so we actually uh, had virtual reality avatars we all used, and we went off and we did it like you would normally film, just we were all in VR instead. Oh, it's, yeah. it's all very surreal. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> at the time, it seemed completely sensible that we'd got to that stage, <laughs> but it's like one of those crazy things when you look back and go, if you just come at this from the end, it looks bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sort of thing as well that there was no way I was going to turn down the chance to be part of a movie project because it's, that's the reason I left my old job was it Right. Was to be able to risk. do this like, kind of
0: cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And
1: to take risks and do this sort of project. Right. Um, and then once the movie was uh, almost ready for release, I was doing more work in NFTs. A couple of the guys had talked about them and said, well, why don't we do an NFT series for the movie? I had released, I've got a project called Apes versus Hedges, which I released just as a test, a proof concept almost, of NFTs and that base process from building an audience through to creating the product and how it physically mm-hmm. works. Right. And I said to the guys, look, I've done this one. We could just use this model. We could mint a load of NFTs for the movie, see what happens, see if anyone's interested in them. And I thought, you know, we'd get a few hundred, maybe a couple of thousand would get minted and it'd be great. Last time I checked, I think there were over sixty thousand of them had been minted. Oh
0: my god!
1: So there's now sixty thousand fake fluencer NFTs floating around, and they do sell. People are actually buying them for actual crypto and trading them. But more importantly, for the marketing model of the film, that there's sixty thousand of these items out there, all acting as mini billboards and getting interest and getting people talking about the film. And for me, that's where NFTs start to become really interesting. It's not just here's a piece of artwork it's here's something that either gives you access to another product or gives you can it does something more than just looking nice and, and being yeah. oh i own this
0: yeah and
1: um, i've talked to companies about having it as sports tickets about giving premium access to people to events if they've got right. certain nfts mm-hmm. and there's there's a whole possibility around it and um, And we actually started work we had a a meeting yesterday for this pseudo-sequel of the fake fluencer so Mm -hmm. tom's going to be looking at a product called hex which is quite i'll say infamous in the crypto space and we sort of had a meeting around that and we're looking at doing more things with nfts for that potentially and how that could work in the for promoting the film and for maybe giving people access to the movie that if we release say 10,000 tokens then you can only go to see the movie you've got a token kind of thing and then they get resold right. that way there's a there's a whole range of options you can do with it but it because yeah, it's true ownership it's yeah really and it's so well.
0: um again i was talking about this as like a perspective shift right where, where it gets so out of the box singing and i love your story because like you said you you were unhappy where you were you mm-hmm. know and like i'm sure many of us you know we spend years saying that right we spend years saying and i was actually just talking to one of my friends about this like we were like what are we doing you know like what are we doing I don't mean like today, right now, as we're here, like in general, what are we doing? Because we say we want these things. And then we try to say that we can't do these things because of a pandemic or because of a lockdown or because of whatever. Right. And there's always going to be the things that we're, Mm. that are going to hold us back or or in our mind perceive, right. Make us feel like we can't live free in an unfree world. Therefore Mm. we're not creating what we want. Right. We say we want these things, but yet we're not creating, but you did it. Like you went out there, and obviously, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm guessing if you knew there was going to be a pandemic, you probably would have held off and kept your job. But
1: much son, yeah. Yeah. i have be very depressed the, now, but I would have done it.
0: <laughs> right. But that's not the way the universe works, right? We make decisions and then we see what happens, right? And I always believe that, you know, I, that's what ha- it was meant to happen in this order then, because it couldn't have happened any other way, mm. right? I these are the decisions I made, but you took a risk. You left your job, a secure job that would have, paid you well, but it would have left you unhappy. It, it sounds like, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it no, sounds no.
1: like. I'll, to give you a comparison, I used to do, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of rocking, where you wear a backpack with big heavy weights on. Okay, and yeah. Uh-huh. And the closest description I can, I found that on my last day, when I, before I went and got when I walked out of the office, it just felt like I had a backpack yeah. on and just dumped it off and just walked away. I went, that's yeah. it, I'm done now. Yeah. I handed yeah. my laptop in. I didn't have access to any of the systems anymore. And I was like, this is great. Yeah, it's I, done. I, the like, the uh, lack great. of money coming in hadn't quite hit me at that point. <laughs> right, right. I was slightly on a euphoria high at that point. But yeah, it's like, I literally felt like I'd taken off a massive weighty backpack and just dumped it on the step and walked away from it.
0: Yeah, the games are over, right? We're done. Mm. We're done here. And yeah. so, you know, doing that, you took the risk, you went out, you, okay, some <laughs> shit happened, right? Shit hit the fan, but you you survived it, right? You, wor- you worked your ass off, it sounds like you were. Yeah. And I, and I <laughs> would, ha- I'm listening to you talk. I mean, again, not trying to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like, I mean, even with the risks, you still have the the strong, the 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 belief in yourself and what you were doing was stronger than your fear of the risks, is, in, in, which oh, it yeah. sounds like was able to help you propel you forward and, and allow you to be able to do cool stuff like this that you wouldn't be doing if you were still sitting in that job.
1: Well, that's, I mean, there's always, the, the imposter syndrome does suck. And I found that at the start that I was going off and talking to these companies. And they said, I mean, I published my rates on my website, but this, my rates haven't changed since I started and one of the companies said to me how much do you charge per hour and I went uh 250 pounds I literally pulled them right there and he went well oh, yeah. that seems a bit low but yeah fair and I was like damn it <laughs> <laughs> why didn't I say 300 <laughs> 400 yeah but, and it, you, that's the thing within three or four months I'd had enough positive feedback from the people yeah. I was working with to to get through that imposter syndrome yeah, but early yeah. on that was yeah. brutal going yeah. to these companies and Particularly when you've worked in a traditional hierarchy where, you know, the manager walks past and you doff your cap and go, "Hello, sir. Please, sir, don't find me today." And <laughs> which is I...
0: like crazy, like that—that's what we're like—that that's how we're all taught. You know, that we're taught yeah. to like, "Oh, yes, yes, please, um, okay." You know, like no, yeah. like it's like, ugh.
1: And that—that's the thing I like about uh, crypto and blockchain that you don't get that. I I talk to CEOs and founders quite regularly and. You know, they're normal people. I'll ping them messages on LinkedIn. I send them memes occasionally on the phone. Yeah. And it's a very, very different approach to yeah. how you deal with people in the yeah. space because yeah. of this decentralized, trustless model that you get that everyone has a part to play and there isn't just one person sat at the front who really somehow is worth a thousand times more than everyone else, even though they're right. really doing it.
0: Right. The dynamic has completely changed yeah. in the space. It, it really has. Mm-hmm. I mean, and even like, you know, traditional companies try to you know, with just, let's take remote working, right? Like, yeah. you know, when prior, some companies were very archaic about that. Oh, people weren't going to work if they're at mm. home, you know, all this kind of like... um wanting to babysit people kind of thing, you know, yeah. and then you go into what we went through in 2020 and then everybody overnight shifted to working from home. And now I'm seeing people like are being told that they have to go back into an office. And it's like, you can't, ha- you can't unsee the fact that we work from <laughs> home and we're productive. You know what I mean? So now you're trying to do like, go back or like, it doesn't make sense. And then the crypto space, you know, the dynamic is just so different because everybody is, um, it's not that old school like, hierarchy it's not it just isn't there
1: it is uh, that's the thing it's with crypto everything moves so fast that you can't afford to say yeah. you know, when well, the old job i'd be like we've got a problem to say okay well the range of meeting for it next week like if you need a meeting and something there's a problem it's got to be solved for the next 30 minutes or
0: right
1: your token might be worthless or right. something else might have launched and exactly crippled G- and
0: replaced you yeah
1: yeah and all these companies i'm working with they're all doing exceptionally well but they're fully remote teams whereas again at the old job i was sat and I actually worked on a laptop dialing in through a remote connection at my desk but i couldn't work from home
0: right and right. i was like
1: this And am looking back i'm like what this is so bizarre to look like, back like the at, madness that, that we
0: right that we like all just accepted that i guess you yeah. know like because we didn't i mean you know that's one of the benefits i think of 2020 was having that perspective shift as painful as it was because it was it was painful for all of us. But having that shift and being able to um, see clearly now, I guess you know, I think in some ways we're still seeing clearly because there's still things unfolding. But being able to do that was um, definitely needed. <laughs> oh yeah,
1: yeah, it it has to. It's bizarre to me when again, like you say, when I look at companies now and that's, I'm talking to people I know who are still working for them and they're saying, oh yeah, we've got to go back to the office now. Right?
0: why right. yeah
1: what bizarre right. idea and why
0: do you accept what, that like why do you accept that idea why don't you make arrangements for yourself or push back or do something different yeah. you know I, that's the my idea question. that
1: somehow you should be paid less because you're working remotely
0: right this, no I, no, that, no no that's
1: my personal bug brand the the companies "Well, oh, we'll pay you less than that nah. no so
0: no like, no you're you not pay paying more. For, right exactly yeah. i'm paying electricity i'm using my space yeah. my internet you know all of this stuff like yeah that's no that's a bs excuse yeah. no um So through all this, like I said, you went through the, right. You have this, um, this dream and you followed it, right. And shit hit the Mm -hmm. fan and that's okay. You're still here. We're talking about it. And so if there's listeners here that are in a similar situation, I'm sure, you know, this is, um, I'm sure a lot of people are, you know, especially now with way, the way everything is, um, Mm -hmm. what's some advice that you would offer to the listeners to really help them maybe get started or to follow their dream, or even if they're going through this and, and it's not going as planned, um, to help them get to the other side,
1: um, probably don't quit your full-time day job at the start of a pandemic would be high <laughs> up the list. Maybe do it part-time <laughs> first, doesn't But basically, it comes down. To, a lot of it is the grind, and I know entrepreneurs like to go online and talk about. You know, they get up at five a.m., they do a ten-mile run, drink right, an right. egg, you have kind right. all this nonsense.
0: Right,
1: but particularly <laughs> when you're starting off, there is no way around the fact that you have to grind stuff out, that stuff takes a lot of effort to get going, to get that ball rolling. Right. I mean, I get regular clients, well, I get pretty much all my clients through LinkedIn and I don't have to do much on there, but it's because I put so much work right. in at the start right.
0: and I was yeah. properly
1: grinding away at it. Um, and the other one is don't sort of focus too much on the bound. I know you talk on the podcast about um how to live free in this world. People tend to focus on the boundaries around them right and miss the fact that there's quite a lot inside the boundary you can still do and sometimes I mean boundaries aren't ideal but it's one of those things that if you want to play the game you have to play to someone's yeah. rules yeah so if you focus just on those rules you miss what else you can do around them and right that again that's something from when I was working with other companies before I became freelancers there's so many rules in place that you tend to just focus on them and you're again we're taught this through school it's always about the rules and as soon as you go go, yeah yeah. you suddenly go actually maybe the rules don't do what i think they do right and so the rules are still there but maybe they're not interpreted the way the boss has been saying one thing right like actually it doesn't really mean that and how you can sort of the play area you've got inside that boundary and it's easy to sort of go along and go well I'm fenced in now. I'm going to start like a dog trying to get out of a garden.
0: Right. 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 Yeah, we've got a dog. Next, to run, yeah.
1: Hit. Yeah. And it wants to go and bark at the fence and bark at things. Like that, but it misses all the fun things it can do inside the garden. All the things that are in there. Cause
0: it's focused on what it doesn't want. Right. Like we, yeah. you know, we talk, focused talk on about what it that. Long, saying, yeah. 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 Instead of focusing on what is there. And that, that is, yeah. I think is um, again, I talk about perspective <laughs> a lot and having that, and, and that's why these conversations I think are mm. important because it gives different perspectives. It shows maybe what you think was a boundary actually can be a benefit for you. Right. Cause it's yeah. really easy to see, to lament over the past, you know, Year and almost going on two years now about how terrible everything was and yes it sucked there was a lot of terrible stuff but if we're we went through it right we're we're it doesn't help I think to look back and and look at the negative if we start looking like I was saying earlier the positive like okay we did get a different perspective shift okay how can I use that to my benefit or how can I use how can I start to instead of using these things as um, restrictions how can I start to use them for me, like in my own interest and not trying to try to focus on what's going to cage me in or make me feel caged in or perceive being caged in.
1: Well, again, when I started, I I spoke to um, business advisors and sort of consultants and they all kind of said the same thing that you're starting a business, start it locally, go to networking events, go and talk to people. And if I'd done that, there's no (laughs) way the business would have worked. because I'm on the Isle of Man. I I would probably be doing okay but not as well as I am doing right but because I couldn't physically do that. I couldn't follow the rules that have been set. The, the, rules, the, yeah, the yeah, rules, the rules air quotes. that <laughs> people had told me I should be doing. I had to go off and find a different way. And then that sort of gave me the effect of when, when I'm talking to people, one of the things that people told me was, oh, copywriters only earn, you know, in the first year, a copywriter will be lucky to earn 20, 25 K. And in my first year, um, I've talked about this online before, so I, I was hitting around fifty, which was rough slightly over what I was on at my old job. And people See? think, But you can't be doing that. You're a copywriter. I'm like right. Yeah, but I'm, I don't do what other copywriters do.
0: Right. I went outside of the box right i yeah. did something and and that's i think the rules like quote the rules what what quote they tell you to do right that's mm. also why we get we stay in these unhappy or we're in these unhappy si- mm. situations because we're doing what quote they told us to do yeah. whereas what you're living proof of an example of okay you kind of did what they said but then you altered it you you made it work for you you found the benefits for you mm. and you had success right and, and they're trying to tell you you can't do that well look i did Right, yeah. like I it's,
1: did. So just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean it's the best way to do something. Right. Um right. things like oh yeah, start the big one, actually if anyone's listening who is gonna start a company, the big one that got me was always start going low prices and then try and increase them. Yeah. Now ignore that. Go in with yeah. premium pricing right. and justify them. And own and it, part of that right? it. yeah
0: Own it. Like yeah. you were saying, the imposter syndrome, right? Having yeah. that that's normal, right? There's the, there's that's normal. Everyone has that. But the the Faster you can believe in yourself and just own it and say, This is what it is. Yeah. You walk in owning the room, owning that price or your hourly rate, whatever it yeah. is, you're in. That's all. That's usually all it takes, right? Because that's what somebody's looking for, right? You don't want to go with, like, I always say this, like, I tell this lady that cuts my hair, I'm like, I don't want to go to the person who has openings every day for the next month. Right. Yeah. I want the person that's booked out two months that I know is, you know, she's yeah. got the business going. right? And the same for this. You don't want to go for the person charging the lowest possible rate because yeah. you're going to get what you pay for. Right. And that's 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 honestly how people look at it.
1: And you certainly don't want to be working for the person who wants the person who charges the lowest rate. Right, because they're always the worst clients. They're the ones <laughs> who, who will phone you up constantly and pest you and waste your time. Um, but speaking of the imposter, one of the ways I like to, I've got a bright red full-length trench coat, like a, it's a really nice, well-made trench yeah. coat. But that is my the wet wear I a trench coat that when I was first starting out and I was going to official meetings to get myself in the right headspace. Yeah, I would go and I would dress up fairly smartly and then I'd put this coat on and that right. was me. Right, I'm in game mode now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love
1: that. On form. Yeah. yeah. And I would go to events and, you know, A, it stands out a lot because it is bright red. I mean, we're talking <laughs> a pillar box red here. <laughs> um, but psychologically, it's that thing of, yep, now I'm in this persona of a character.
0: Yeah. I'm stepping who into it. does this. these
1: things. Yeah. 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 And gradually over time, that character becomes you or less you as it goes. But yes. it helps yes. you just bypass that imposter syndrome initially.
0: Yes. I know that that's awesome. I love that. And Dan, it's really been great to have you on the show and listen to your story. I think it's very inspiring. And I think, um, I hope the listeners really take, you're an example. And I, I love talking to people who are an example of who are living, creating what they speak, right? You, you're living your truth. And I think that's, um, that's, I, I just love it. So congratulations to you as well. Thank um, you. it's, uh, it, it's been, um, really great to talk to you and as well on the movie. So what we're going to do is I'll link to your, um, the movie in the show notes and why don't you tell the listeners how they can find out more about you before we wrap up? Um,
1: if they Google hashtag the wetware IA, that'll take into everything. But I'm mainly active on LinkedIn as the wetware IA. So they just okay. go on there and they'll find me quite easily. Okay. And if anyone wants to talk about this stuff, I will happily talk for hours.
0: <laughs> I could too. I could too. Okay, so I'll link to everything in the show notes. And um again, Dan, thank you so much for joining
1: this week. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's been good fun.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening this week to the create what you speak podcast. Make sure to visit sloanfremont.com where you can subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. So you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you found value in the show, I'd appreciate a positive rating in Apple podcasts or in your favorite podcast player. Also remember, I have my create what you speak academy at create what you speak.com. Thanks again for listening and be sure to tune in next week where I will continue to give you real life solutions to help you live free in an unfree world.